everybody. Welcome to another fantastic episode of the Odd Topic Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Luke Hawkins, joined by my co-host, Brad Beckerman. What's happening? And today, we've got a juicy topic for you in the form of creepy ghost stories or things that are similar enough to ghost stories. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> we had one topic, Brad. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> okay, so I didn't go that much off the path, but my whole kind of topic like yeah. made its way all the way to like more of the possession type style. It's in the same ballpark. It's the it's same fine. era, but I love ghost stories so much, but I just couldn't find what like I couldn't find one that was like juicy enough to kind of spend a good half an hour talking yeah. about. Well, I mean, I guess like spoiler alert, but I guess demonic possession and ghost stories kind of go hand in hand these they days do, they do um it's definitely in the realm of the same ish topic within the subgenre of of spooky things correct um it's not like a cryptid or anything so no no i, I mean it's within the same thing it's 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 there thereabouts but i wanted to be more specific i mean we are the odd topic podcast we've got to have some topics that are more on point man well on the plus side of the whole um, point of this podcast is that we're very broad, broad based, so we have an yeah. unlimited supply of topics to talk about. So it doesn't matter. So this will lead into better things, but I still, I, my topic is still interesting. <laughs> You'll still enjoy it. Have faith, of course. Uh, it's just it always is, Brett. It always is. It always is. We try our best to give. In you fact, the if best. anything, your topic's probably a bit more cooler than mine because mine is. I'd say quite well known. Um, I think I've said that about a lot of topics <laughs> I speak about. So, God, these are getting repetitive. <laughs> it's not that they're repetitive. It's just the well-known ones have such good backstories. That's why they yeah, are well-known. Yeah. Um, it's 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 more about like bringing sides of the well-known stories that the public doesn't know about. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of things that I found out about my topic that I never knew, and oh, everyone too, knows yeah. this. So. I think that's what we bring to this community. If anything, it's a cool time for us to learn about these really cool topics. Exactly. Um, but going into it now, I first want to ask you, Brett, have you ever had any spooky stories? I can't say that I have. Damn it, me neither. I've had some... that segment. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had any spooky type things happen to me. I've heard a lot of um, like friends and kind of their family yeah. iterates the the issue or the the story so it's a little bit more plausible than that kid at school telling yeah, you about something yeah. that happened my uncle works in nintendo yeah <laughs> luke did that happen to you no uh, okay <laughs> um no i had a friend who um the house they moved into pretty much is haunted apparently by the ex-owner and that's cool every well, family kind of. member yeah Every family member has iterated the same story, the same happenings, and are all on board with it. I mean, that doesn't normally happen. Generally, mm. somebody witnesses or sees something, and it's kind of only them. But, I mean, each family member had a different story yeah. for this. Uh, everything from the toilet flushing at night randomly yeah. to um, the front door, which they never use, and has uh, a gate kind of maybe two, three meters away from it. Like yeah. someone knocking at the door in the middle of the night and you open the door and there's no one there. That's creepy. It's creepy, but they've kind of gotten to the point where they say, well, 
he's a good guy. He, he, he <laughs> this is his home. We we are living in his ghost. home. He's a friendly ghost. So they they they're not spooked by him anymore, which I think is great because I'd be freaking terrified if I was there. Yeah. <laughs> but they're in the mindset of like, okay, he's here doing good. Uh, we're just chilling in his area. He's chilling with us. Mm. But I mean, if I wonder if he watches them shower. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, this is the ghost that Luke's going to be. <laughs> the creep. I ain't going to deny it. <laughs> but I mean, if, if if my door, if someone knocked at my door in the middle of the night or I heard a knocking sound, yeah. I wouldn't go look at it. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not that guy. I'm not going to go and be like, well, I'm going to go investigate. No, <laughs> he's outside. <laughs> They're not getting in. <laughs> Wife, go investigate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh man. I um I can't say I've really had anything. Uh as much as I want to have had I've had some creepy stuff happen. Uh but pertaining to ghosts and or demonic possession, that sort of thing, no. Um unfortunately. But I have had um one of the a guy I used to work with at my previous um place of, of employment, I was getting a lift home with him one day because this place we used to work was far out and um kind of out of town by about an hour. Where um, was this? Fort Jackson. Oh, dang. Yeah, not, not a fun sound, drive. It yeah. just sounds ghostly, though. It does, Fort though. Jackson. <laughs> well, so I was, um, we had like a kind of lift club thing going on to save petrol because it was quite hectic. And then one day I'm driving back. Uh, it was like dead of night, so it makes, makes it even creepier. I just did like a night shift. Um, and this guy starts telling me the story. And like, this is not a guy you'd expect. He's like the staunch kind of old Afrikaans man, you know. Hectic. Um, and he he's telling the story because, and you can see that the whole day he was kind of visibly shaken. And oh, so that happened like in a recent time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're all driving home in his car, and I overheard him and one of the other guys talking about, you know, like how's your 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 wife going, all this kind of stuff. And he was like. Yeah, I know she's she's really struggling. She's uh, she's trying her best here. We we don't we don't really know what to do. We're trying to get a priest involved, and I was like, "What, what the hell's happening here?" Tell me more. So I asked, just inquired a bit. Didn't want, didn't want to pry too much. I didn't really know the guy like that well. It's one of those moments where you, you don't want to pry, but yeah. you really want to pry. Like, I was like, "What are you guys talking about?" You know, in the most casual way I could have like, "Tell me." <laughs> <laughs> but um, basically, he said like his his wife was possessed. Like she woke up at like. Crazy hours of midnight, just screamed and this and that, and like d- demonic creatures, and Whoa. they got like the church involved or whatever, um, which is crazy. I mean, she probably maybe just had like a psychotic meltdown or something, but either way, I don't know, they all jumped on board. And she is possessed, and so wow, I was okay. like, okay, this, this, this <laughs> not took a weird turn. Uh, <laughs> was that on your way to night shift or on the no, way home? On home. You're lucky because so doing night yeah. shift with that story in the yeah. back of your head ain't gonna go well. I'm so glad I don't do shit. <laughs> uh, and then otherwise, I suppose now that we live in this kind of slightly older house, um, there's a lot more sounds. Um, I know like newer buildings always have the settling sounds. Dude, I live in old stables. Um, you will yeah, not believe the sounds that go on there. Yeah, you probably live it way worse. <laughs> <laughs> you make it sound like you're like a farm boy, I suppose you are. I, li- I live in old stables. <laughs> He's got a really nice little bachelor pad, okay? Don't be fooled, listeners. <laughs> it's still in stables, Luke. I mean, I hear stuff in my roof all the time. And I've been up there a couple of times with all this construction work and putting in new lights and whatever. And it's creepy up there, dude. I can imagine. It is horrifying. Um, One thing I'm super glad of is I don't have 
like an inner roof because mine uh, yeah. kind of follows the pitch of the roof. So I yes. don't have a ceiling or anything like yeah. that. I hate, okay, I'm a big guy. I don't want to climb in ceilings. <laughs> that, so that's not where I belong. <laughs> it, it's so hard. I have to like maneuver your body in all sorts of like ways to get to where I need to, need to be in there. And I come out with so many splinters on my hands because everything's oh, wood. No. And I sit there with tweezers off, just picking out these little splinters out of my hands. It sounds terrible. It is. It's the worst. Never go into the ceiling if you can avoid it. Why would it. you do that? I'm installing lights. I got it. Someone's got to do it. And if I, <laughs> if I can, I'm not going to pay someone else to do it. I'm a, I'm a Scrooge like that. <laughs> a Scrooge with splinters in his hands. That's what <laughs> is you it get. worth it? Well. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, let's, let's move on. Enough chit-chat, Brett. Let's move on. To, sorry, that was a bit aggressive. <laughs> it's okay. I'll survive. All right. So today I'm going to be covering a classic tale, the one that inspired countless books and movies, um, which uh, I'm sure you've definitely seen, featuring some kind of famous actors. Uh, perhaps you've heard of it before. Perhaps you haven't. But either way, I'm going to take a dive into this incredibly mysterious, spooky, and allegedly true ghost story. The ghost story that became the mother of all ghost stories, the Amityville Horror. Literally the mother of all mother ghost of all. stories. You you Google go. I tried to do some research and everything just popped up. Yeah. Amityville. Like, it is, it is, it's hectic, man. I think it's the, the one that's gained the most notoriety. Um, ever pretty much also it kind of happened in a more modern era yeah it was 1975 correct most of the hauntings are i mean if you look at the the brown the brown lady i mean mm. that that's all like 18th century type stuff yeah. and like the all your lighthouse keepers and what like this is fairly recent it was yeah and uh, there was like a lot of corroboration um behind the findings from uh, priests and a very famous Paranormal sleuthing couple, which we'll get into later. Um, but yeah, so this is a bit of a two-parter in the sense that it, that it started off as a brutal murder story, which then evolved into a ghost story. The year was 1974. In an old Dutch colonial-style house situated in the suburbs of Amityville in America, the DeFeo family of six resided. One fateful night... The eldest child, Ronald Joseph DeFeo, ran into the nearest bar and shouted, You have to help me. My mother and father have been shot. Ronald then led a small group of people to his family house who saw the scene. The parents were indeed shot, and it was at this point that Ronald's friend, Joe Yeswit, called the Suffolk County Police. Once they arrived on the scene and searched the house, they found the other, other siblings also dead in their beds. Forensics determined that the murder weapon was a 35 caliber rifle and the time of the murders was about 3 a.m. Each parent was shot twice and the children were shot once. Of course, due to being the sole surviving family member, all suspicion fell on Ronald, who later confessed to the murders due to the inconsistencies with the story and alibi. He actually tried to pin the murder on a local mobster named Louis Fellini. Hey, Fellini. I was say, that's the most mobster <laughs> name ever. Really, is it? <laughs> but he had an alibi for his whereabouts, so obviously was not convicted of anything. During his confession, Ronald explained the harrowing series of events and stated, Once I started, I just couldn't stop. It all happened so fast. He also managed to take a bath and put on a change of clothes before going to the bar for help. 
So this guy is a deranged motherfucker. He's got this thing planned. Very much so, yeah. Damn. So apparently, um, I was actually just uh, reading up on him now about an hour, hour before the podcast. And a few, I learned a few more things about him. He was previously uh, known to be kind of mentally a bit strange. So he, he had more and more violent tendencies towards his, his family members. Um, and he had to eventually get admitted for psychiatric help, uh, which didn't go very well. Uh, Never does. He just defied everyone, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> and the parents actually spoiled the shit out of him to, just because nothing would appease him. So they bought him all sorts of nice stuff. I mean, it must be hard for a parent trying to kind of... Yeah, they ran, ran out of options. Please him. And he was in his 20s. You know, he's quite old. He's finished school, all that thing, all that kind of stuff. And his his, his siblings were all qu- quite a lot younger, with the youngest one being about nine years old. Oh, wow. So there's quite a huge age. But how many siblings were there again? Uh, it's a family of six. So family his of parents, six. him, and then three other okay. siblings, yeah. Uh, which I think was two sons and one daughter. Okay. Don't have their names with me here, but not really consequential to the story. Um, but yeah, so he's a bit strange. And then he obviously got um, involved in drinking and then developed a bit of a drug problem, LSD and heroin. So this guy was not a stand-up guy. No, I probably tried to suppress quite a few yeah. voices in his head. Um, so, well, funny you should say that. Oh, okay. Because according to Ronald, he was acting in self-defense as he had overheard his family plotting to kill him. Whoa. Allegedly. So and he, he was saying he was hearing voices all the time. Um, like of his family members though saying that they want to kill him or of something telling him that his family is, was trying to kill him uh, and this That's guy already good. being kind of unstable uh, evidently just snapped and butchered his entire family which is horrific um, so but this was good for him in a way because his defense attorney then used this whole thing as a case to plead for insanity Fair enough. Um, which, I mean, any good defense attorney seems to do these days. So that's the end of that, right? Ronald's now in prison, and that's where he'll spend the rest of his days on six counts, sorry, five counts of 25 to life murder charges. Basically um, for each member of his family. Yeah, pretty much. So that's the end of that, right? You'd be wrong. This is where the horror of the bloodstained Amityville house truly begins. About a year later, in December 1975, the Lutz family, spelled L-U-T-Z, comprised of the parents, George and Kathy Lutz, along with their three children, purchased and moved in to the now vacant Amityville Horror House. Of course, it wasn't sold as being a horror house. Yeah, little did they know like what actually went down there. They did actually know. Oh. So the realtor told them about the whole thing. It was like, look, this is the, the, the past of it, you know, because, I mean... It was such a popular case that we'll see it eventually in the news. So he didn't try and hide it. And he asked them if they're okay with that. Um, to which they said, no, they're fine. Presumably because the price tag was super low. They got the house for an absolute bargain, uh, as one does, I think, because if you disclose someone has died in the house, no one really wants to buy it. So. I, th- yeah, I, I think if there's any sort of death or weird mystery around the house, it kind of gets for a little bit of a bargain. From this point on, um, I need to say that the story does lose a bit of its factual grounding um, as it now transitions into a story told by the Lutz family's perspective. So not so much like the DeFeo uh, tale from before where it's factual, you know, the guy went to prison, the murders, they're on the record. Uh, this stuff sort of happened mostly behind closed doors. Um, but 
the very least, the Lutz family sticks to their story. Whether or not it's hundred percent true or not is up for the uh, up for debate. But they believe it, and they've got some pretty solid grounding to believe it. So that's kind of sad. I'm going to take it on for now, anyway. So during their move, one of George, being the father's friends, learned about the house's history and persuaded George to get the house blessed by a priest. So George and Kathy, who aren't very religious people by the sounds of it, um, agreed to go ahead with it anyway. They enlisted the help of a priest named Father Ray. Uh, interesting fact here, um, in the books and movie adaptations, uh, Father Ray didn't want his full name to be revealed and he went under a different alias in all the movies. And they actually, every movie has a different spin on this priest and his involvement in the whole thing. Oh. Um, but this now, what I'm about to say is 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 the, the official statement from the priest as well. Okay, so it's um, a little bit more concise than yeah. the rumors. And this is what, in, in subsequent interviews, because obviously this priest was attracted and interviewed after all the books and movies were made uh, to hear his side of the story. Was it true what he was saying at the other? Um, but he corroborated a lot of it. Um, I think he actually played a part in providing some of the kind of info for the, for the movie productions um, and definitely for the books. Which is pretty cool. I mean, it gives you, or especially yeah. the filmmakers, a little bit more of a better insight. And you hope, being a priest, a man of God, you're not going to lie. Uh, exactly. But, but. <laughs> also, whatever he says, I mean, it, it's going to change the way people see him. Yeah. So, for sure. I mean, his whole reputation yeah. for better or worse. Which would gonna... make me think why he wanted to hide his identity. But Yeah, which is pretty cool in the beginning. Yeah. I mean, if the things happened exactly how the Lutz family say. He obviously didn't hide it very well because, I mean, his name's all over, all over Wikipedia. So. <laughs> so he did a uh, terrible job. <laughs> anyway, so while the Lutz family were, un- were still unpacking their things, Father Ray walked around the house saying his rites and flicking holy water all over the place and praying, as priests do. Um, according to a, a, a latest statement by Father Ray, he said that he heard a deep masculine voice shout, get out, at him, um, which probably freaked him out. Freaked me out. Yeah. But surprisingly enough, he didn't say anything to the family because he apparently just he apparently didn't want to scare them. But guilt apparently got the better of him because a few days later he called George up to advise him to stay out of the room where he had, where he had heard the voice. But the call cut out before he could give him the warning, which is a little bit creepy. Oddly enough, this was the room that the DeFeo parents used to sleep in and the room that they were murdered in. Um, now this part's obviously got a bit of conjecture uh, as it's just what the, pri- the, the priest says. There's no proof of this actually happening. Um, the, the, the get out thing the priest also stated that he has received blisters on his hands and got slapped across the face while in the house which um, is interesting and, but you'd think he would have spoken up at the time yeah uh, especially if it was weird. that extreme yeah and this is what he says after the fact so take over the pinch of salt but anyway uh, also at this point in time Nothing paranormal has really happened to the Lutz family yet themselves. They just got the priest in to bless the house um, because of the history. And the priest is just saying he experienced these things. But Lutz family is like, I don't know, bro, everything's good. Um, in those words, exactly. No, bro, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And now it gets a little bit hazy because over the past, uh, over the next couple of months, um, there wasn't much... Uh, I don't know, the list has kind of declined to give any information about what transpired up until about January 1976, so a few months later. Um, 
Describing the events as too frightening, they didn't want to go in, in, into any detail. They were prop, like proper freaked out. But during this time, they did attempt to get the house blessed again. So clearly something was afoot. Yeah. Uh, it did later come out that on that faithful night in January, uh, they made the decision to leave the house. And a bit more information came out that the Lutz family had experienced numerous horrifying occurrences. Um, so this is all. Ba- this was a bit hard to kind of understand because on all the sources I read about this, um, it was a bit hazy. There was no no grounded information about what exactly happened. It just seems that some night in January, they got the priest to come back, and I think this is also part that you see in the movies and stuff, where basically a whole final encounter with whatever spirits and ghosts happened, and basically made them f- f- flee the house. They were like, "No, nah, we're, we're done." Um, so after this fact, they have told us now that a few of the experiences that they, they had included George waking up at about 3.15 almost every morning, which is around the time the DeFeo family was murdered. Strange odors permeated throughout the house. They would see green and black slime oozing through keyholes, the ceilings, the stairs, etc. Um, one occurrence of a weird pig-like creature staring at them through the windows. Whoa. Kathy, the wife, levitating above her bed in the, in the middle of the night. And on a separate occasion, the sun's also levitating above their bed. Uh, furniture would move around, voices would whisper to them, and all that sort of thing. I mean, that last couple of pretty typical ghost stuff, you know. Um, but keep in mind that this is one of the first mainstream stories. So a lot of the the, the ghost story happenings in, in other stories actually stem from the, the Amityville horror stories. I can imagine. I mean, those um, are pretty iconic. They really are. Moving furniture, you know, levitating above cupboards, the bed, you know, all yeah. that stuff. Um, what's also pretty uh, strange is that, as we mentioned before, Ronald DeFeo um, also mentioned hearing the other voices. So it's been now two different occurrences of two different family members hearing voices. We, we lumped Ronald as being insane, but now the Lutz family is saying the same thing. So maybe it's not wasn't so insane. So maybe there's something behind his yeah. weird voices. <laughs> Dude, it's weird. Anyway, so all of this prompted the family to kind of move out and sell the house. Um, and this is more or less the end of the story. But there are a few interesting things here, um, which, was, which includes one of my favorite facts, which is that they actually opted to take a lie detector test. Um, to kind of prove their side of the story. I think they were felt kind of compelled to do this because um, the media had approached them uh, and wanted to obviously write a book and make movies about this whole event, to which I'm sure they agreed, and I'm sure they profited a little bit out of it. I think they um, got... They, I mean, they must have had such a, a hectic... Not a backlash, but for them who are so traumatized yeah. from what they've experienced, to try and get that across to people and for the people to understand and say, hey... We get that this happened to you. Yeah. They probably got so much flack, but like, ah, you guys are just going insane. It's the house, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. They, they, I mean, they probably wanted to go through every step that they could yeah. to prove. I mean, a lot, a lot of people were saying that they, they had financial troubles. So they were trying to kind of use this as a quick way to maybe sell the house or. Well, especially if they knew the origins or that they knew the backstory of the house. Yeah. yeah I mean, exactly. it's. And the fact that they purposely, purposefully said, look, we, we don't care about the backstory. We'll take it because it's cheap, you know. How long were they in the house? Did you mention uh, that? It was about a year only. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, think, I think less. Um, 
Sure, they were somewhere. It's like eight months or something. Yeah, I, I guess you can't really fault that because, I mean, if I was in a house and shit started happening, I wouldn't be there for yeah. longer than a year. So, <laughs> <laughs> be it for uh, money reasons or be it for yeah. I'm getting the hell out of here reasons, it covers it. Yeah, so they took this lie detector test um, and apparently they all passed the lie detector test, i.e. they least themselves, believe their story to be 100% true. So what they experienced in their minds... They firmly believe that it happened. Okay. Uh, of course, lie detector tests aren't um, permissible in court and you can kind of cheat them, but what are the chances of the whole family in 1975 or 76 at this point knowing how to cheat a lie detector? And, and I mean, a lie detector is all based on your... I mean, on, on, on your feelings yeah. and, and emotions. So be it that they... Be it that... Let's say something stupid like the house had a a mold problem and it was actually infecting yeah. their they were hallucinating and something. Like. Yeah, they well believe be. that. So yeah. a lie detector is not going to prove to them. Anything. This is all all perfectly true. Yeah. So that's pretty much it. Um, you can believe it. You can think that they got drunk on a few too many bottles of wine and came up with this story. Uh, a lot of people call this 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 story a complete hoax, uh, but a lot of people truly believe it. I think, in, in especially in this realm, no matter what story, you'll yeah. have the skeptics and the for believers. Sure. So take it for what you want. And I think at the end of the day, you know, it is the murder house of of a family of six. And that side um, of it, you can't get away from. Yeah, that, that, that existed. That existed. That is horrifying and true. And that guy, Ro- Ronald Defoe, was an absolute nut job. Um, so whether or not the creepy ghost stuff happened afterwards, it's still pretty scary. And I still wouldn't want to stay in that house. No. Um, but yeah, that's that. Uh, something to add though about this as well, which I didn't really touch on because our friend Barrett Beckman here is going to touch on this a little bit more. I'll try my best. But Ed and Lorraine Warren of Annabelle and Conjuring fame, um, they actually had a fairly big part in this as well. They um, helped interview the Lutz family and um, kind of went through their testimonies with them. And they also refuted that this whole story was indeed not a hoax. Uh, and they they fully believe. Yeah, it. I mean, Ed and Lorraine Warren had quite a stigma around them in that mm. time. They they were the go to people to deal with mm. all of this. Like priests were you kind say of stigma. Like, stigma kind of is bad, isn't it? In two ways, stigma is bad, but it's bad to the skeptics and to the believers. It was they were the the helpers. Yeah. So call it stigma, call it whatever you want, but people knew what they did. And people knew what they were kind of about. And yeah. if anything like this happened, they were the ones to go to. Mm. I, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll go through it now. But I mean, even the priests for the, the animal side of things, mm. he, he couldn't do anything. So he called Ed Lorraine. Yeah. So they were the people to go to. And I don't, I don't know if that was, I mean... Call it what you want. I mean, they've got a hectic story behind them. Yeah, I mean, sure. every movie and every book that's been written about them. I mean, them to this day. I mean, okay, for those that don't know, Ed and Lorraine Warren are real people. They're yeah. still, uh, uh, Lorraine's still alive. Um, they have a museum um, called the the Warren's Occult Museum. And Very I mean- On the nose? Yeah, <laughs> quite. Uh, and that's in Connecticut, in Connecticut in the States. So Connecticut has always seemed like a creepy state. Yeah. I know very little about American states, but Connecticut, a haunting in Connecticut. You know, there's always something happening in Connecticut. Yeah, Connecticut, step your game up. 
so um that that i mean you can take these aren't just fables kind of like spoken about over time and like the mysterious people of ed and lorraine and did they exist or not like you can speak to lorraine and she's been in interviews and i mean even the people from the conjuring that you briefly brought up they that family exists and i think the the youngest daughter is fairly old now yeah um she's actually roughly i think she's a little bit younger than what lorraine is now um and you can speak to her and you can Mm. talk to her um about the house and everything and she'll tell you in detail and i mean she was obviously used for the conjuring movie so yeah that's what kind of separates these stories from just fables i think wasn't it conjuring 2 the beginning actually started off in the amityville house yes conjuring 1 was the parent family in the house conjuring 2 was the origin i don't know if it's amityville but i know it was best amityville i remember reading that it's possible. I don't know. I haven't seen The Conjuring 2. Sue me. What? Look, I'm behind. I'm pretty sure we touched on this. This is our the- bread and butter, man. <laughs> we touched we on this bills. in the horror series. Uh, I am falling behind on horror movies. <laughs> so now, Brett is going to take us away on his topic. So... We briefly spoke about what I was going to speak about, and we kind of mentioned it once or twice, but for mm. those of you who didn't really pick up on that, I'm going to talk about Annabelle. Annabelle is one of the more famous uh, non-apparition style beings, if you yeah. want to call it that. Um, so, let me, let, me, let, me, let me take you through the story. So, in 1970, a nursing student named Donna received a Raggedy Ann doll from her mother. Uh, It was apparently bought from some old antique store. Donna was a college student uh, at the time and living with a roommate named Angie. Uh, At first, neither of them thought the doll was anything special. But over time, they noticed that it seemed to move. And like if they placed it somewhere, it would fall over or it would change its, its kind of placing. At first, the movements were like really subtle, kind of just like the doll falling over or just changing positions. Um, but then slowly but surely the movements increased and within a few weeks, it kind of became fully mobile. Um, this is according to the girls, obviously. So they would put it down on Donna's bed and they would wake up and it would be on the shelf. They would put it in the chair in the lounge and it would be back in Donna's room. So full on moving locations. So, uh, at this point, the girls kind of started getting a little bit more noticeable about it and a friend of theirs uh, whose name was lou uh would kind of i I don't know if he lived with them or if he was Mm. just a friend but he was around a lot he hated the doll honestly hated the doll who wouldn't so he thought that there was something hectically wrong with it something bad something evil um but the girls kind of didn't really believe in it they just kind of always put it up to it's being moved by somebody and oh i just forgot about it i didn't I didn't remember putting it on the bed or whatever. Uh, things are a little bit weirder when they started finding these little pieces of parchment paper and on them was written, help us or Fuck. help Lou. What kind of made it a little bit worse was they didn't really keep parchment paper in the house. So yeah. the girls don't know where it came from. <laughs> yeah. Which makes it a lot creepier. It does. So the escalation continued. Uh, one night Donna returned home uh, to find the doll in her bed with 
basically they explained it as blood, but it could have just been a red dye or something, mm. but it looked like blood on the hands of the doll. Uh, it seemed to be coming from the doll itself. And if that kind of wasn't enough, Donna finally agreed to bring in a medium or a priest yeah. or someone to come and check it out. Uh, this is kind of how it got to the point of talking about the little girl named Annabelle who had died there and she had latched on to this doll and kind of they then obviously started referring to it as Annabelle. I'm not going to lie. I've got the heebie-jeebies right now. I'm so glad. Like also the door behind me is <laughs> yeah, The door behind it's us right now is creaking, creaking open and closed. I'm just like, <laughs> I mean, researching this topic as well, it doesn't help because I was alone yesterday doing some research in this and it doesn't help being in a creaking house at night reading about possessed little dolls. What makes it even better and the reason why I'm talking about this is because Luke's wife oh, no. loves porcelain dolls and any doll of any sort and they are scattered around the house. Especially in her, her dressing room. She has a collection of um, like the proper old school ones that I think her, her mom gave her which were her mom's mom. Um, and they're like they look like freaking Annabelle, dude. They got that. Uh, <laughs> they resemble more Annabelle in the, the movie than the yeah, legit Annabelle in the, the story. Oh my God, they're awful. I swear they follow me when I walk around the house. And I get great pleasure in bringing the story to you because I know on how much this is going to freak dolls. you out. I hate dolls. <laughs> oh. One day there's going to be an accidental fire in this house. Mark my words. Don't listen to insurance agencies. <laughs> so um the medium was the, the the person who kind of brought the um the the annabelle kind of uh aura alive so he kind of sat the girls down and told them about the girl that died um because before the house was there it was actually just a field and a seven-year-old girl named annabelle higgins had been found dead in that field uh, her spirit remained and when the doll came into the house the girls latched onto it uh, she found Don and Angie to be trustworthy and nurturing souls. So she just wanted to stay with them. She wanted to be safe yeah. with them. She felt like they were. So she didn't. Then why did she get so creepy? Just you wait. So Animal didn't have any animosity towards the girls. Don and Angie, she loved them. She wanted to basically be with them. Yeah. She did not like Lou. Mm-hmm. So Lou started having bad dreams. Okay. So maybe Lou did live there. Doesn't really make that clear. So, Lou started having bad dreams. Dreams were he would wake up and he would have Annabelle in his room and his legs would be completely paralyzed and she would slowly start climbing up his legs. Mm. He lay there frozen and he would dream of her basically hands around the neck and he would wake up in a like terrified, heart pounding uh, kind of blood's been lost. Yeah, exactly. Um. This goes on and yeah, he, he did not like this doll. I can't say I blame him. No. So um, a couple of days later, him and Angie were planning a trip. And while they were kind of leaving the house, they hear the scuffle in one of the rooms. And they thought maybe it was an intruder. So they run into the room thinking they're going to confront this intruder. And inside they a find- smart move. Exactly. I mean, who wouldn't? <laughs> Um, they went inside thinking kind of going to confront this intruder but they just found an empty room with Annabelle sitting in the corner so suddenly now okay this is where the story takes a little bit of a weird turn I mean what only now (laughs) weirder than what has been happening so uh, they see Annabelle in the corner of the room and 
Lou feels the sudden pain in his chest. Damn. He lifts his shirt and he finds these deep claw marks in his chest. Kind of claw marks with what looks like the edge of his skin has been burnt. Yeah. Kind of thing. At this point, they're like, hell no, bring in another priest. We've got to get this thing out of here. The marks on his chest heal almost immediately. That's what I kind of don't really get. Mm. So he said within two days, they were completely healed without even a trace of them being there. I think he just hated this doll so much he wanted to make up a story. So uh, they call the priest again. The priest says, listen, this is way past what I'm capable of. Way past my pay grade, bro. Yeah, you need to get hold of Ed and Lorraine Warren. They are experts in this field. So Ed and Lorraine Warren rock up there and they are freaked the hell out by Annabelle. So um, Ed makes up a box. It's a sealed container with glass and wood and they put uh, Annabelle inside of it. Mm. There were a few other things that kind of happened in between them kind of casing Annabelle, um, but it's it's all kind of hearsay and could yeah. just be chance. Uh, Lou was in a car accident and they're blaming the, the actual possession that it was him or Annabelle that caused it. Yeah, that one's a bit of a stretch. Yeah, so I didn't really include that because I think that is a little bit of a stretch. So Annabelle is currently sitting in the Warrens Museum. Uh, the Warren's Occult Museum in Monroe, Connecticut. In a locked box uh, with the devil tarot card nailed to the wall next mm. to it. Um, currently, if you speak to Lorraine Warren, she will take you through the museum. She will not make eye contact with the doll. Yeah. She hates it. She says it's the worst thing in there. It is the most evil thing in there. And... It basically just freaks her the hell out. Which is quite funny when you know what she actually looks like. <laughs> yeah, I know. So Annabelle in, this, in, the, in the movies versus Annabelle in the actual Annabelle story and what she is now are completely different. Mm. Annabelle, the, the, the real legitimate Annabelle, is a Raggedy Ann doll. I mean, you can Google it. It's, which it's everyone's it's, seen. Yeah, which everyone's seen. I mean, it's the super innocent looking little doll. Little ginger head girl, long socks. Yeah, painted on eyes and a smile. I mean, honestly... Compared to like your Chuckies and all that kind of stuff, not freaky. Yeah. Annabelle in the movie was like this porcelain. I've, I don't know. She got a proper Hollywood gl- like glow up, you know? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I mean, they took her from like this plush toy to porcelain. And for Luke's sake, porcelain is so much more freakier. Uh. <laughs> we actually, uh, I don't know. I think we should find some photos of these so porcelain. For some reason, cracked porcelain. How weird is that? Like you can porcelain doll's face if there's a crack in it or just the way it can crack and just yeah. have like a gaping hole where the eyes should be and it's, it's like no 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 i i don't plastic envy you. is fine <laughs> plastic is fine so um i i think that's what kind of adds another level to this is you can go and see the doll you can go speak to lorraine and she will tell you these events and she'll tell you what they've found with with annabelle um so her theory is that uh, it wasn't the little girl Annabelle. It was actually just some demonic possession. And this possession wanted, it was in the process of finding a new host. And it latched onto Donna and Angie and it was going to host with one of them. But mm-hmm. Lou got in the way and it didn't like Lou. It tried to kill Lou. Yeah. So that that is that is the theory behind it from the, the Warren's perspective. So... Mm-hmm. Be it that it is kind of a ghost who was messing around with the doll versus 
this actual demonic side that's still up for grabs it's at at the moment it's it's kind of it's it's the classic story of a ghost just moving things around to freak you out versus evil beings and whatever so who knows what also gets me about this one is i don't see the 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 original kind of guys that had the doll of getting any kind of financial gain by making up the story nothing and what's the point of going through all this drama and getting Ed and Lorraine Warren involved if if they could just if they were creeped out by the door, they could just smash it, you know? Something else is happening. Something yeah. else was was kind of up with it. And who knows? That that side of it you don't actually hear. I mean, you you mm. there's there's no interviews from Donna and Jiolu, nothing. Um but this isn't the first time where uh, a doll's kind of had this aura about it yeah at first i thought because i mean you know the chucky movies and all yeah. that gotta hit them <laughs> more dolls for luke oh uh, dude toy story with that, that that doll's head that's on the spider legs oh yes oh, from the Fuck. neighbor's kid yeah that is freaky though like whoever thought of that uh. so i thought annabelle because obviously seeing annabelle the porcelain version i thought annabelle was the the, the inspiration for chucky mm. i was wrong an even creepier doll. Now, I used Annabelle as my main topic because I wanted to speak about the Warrens because I find them very interesting. And I mean, if you go through the museum and you watch, um, there's a few things on YouTube where they take you through their museum. A few of the things look a little bit ob and plasticky, yeah. but there's some really creepy things. So all the conjuring stuff, they've got a shrine in the corner purely for the conjuring things it, it's all there you can walk in and go see it i'd like it. to dive a little bit deep into their kind of lesser known feats you know things that they've done yeah definitely there, there's quite a few conjuring obviously went super mainstream and yeah. the, the amitable and um the and annabelle. annabelle stuff but there are other kind of smaller things but i think we can we can go through those at another point so i just want to touch briefly on this this chucky the the doll that inspired chucky because i never knew about it until i started doing a bit of research on this so the doll that inspired chucky is a doll called robert the doll so robert the doll looks freakier than chucky annabelle the the real version the 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 movie version i find he's creepier than all of them the real doll now i've seen him before i don't think he's that i think he's so much when did you see him the guy in the sailor hat yes he's not that bad Uh, dude he's (laughs) He is creepy. I'm going to... Okay. I'll put okay, this up on our Instagram uh, at our topic podcast. I'm going to put up the picture of Robert the doll. You can tell me if you think Look, it definitely looks more creepy than the Raggedy Ann. Look at the Raggedy Ann. I mean, have a look at that. <laughs> it's kind of cute. I'd give that to my kid. <laughs> I don't have a kid, but if I did... The Raggedy Ann looks nothing. And I mean, I hate the fact that they butchered... Well, not butchered, but they, they zooped up the, the movie yeah. version. Ah, it's typical. They gotta sell. Yeah, they gotta exactly. make movie covers and all that stuff. So, um, okay, so just a quick origin story of Robert the the, the doll. I'm not gonna go into much detail with him, uh, but he was owned by a kid named uh, Robert Eugene Otto, and he was gifted to him by his father. Uh, there's two different stories of where the father got the doll. One story is that he bought it in Germany because that's where the doll is manufactured. Mm-hmm. And the other story is that it was gifted to them by one of their servants. I like that one. Let's go with that one. Yeah. So the the servant theory is that the servants that worked for the family had been abused and gone through such trauma with the family that the the one mom of the servant, I, I can't remember which one was, uh, placed a, a spell or a vo- 
put a voodoo curse on the doll and gave it to the son to torment the family. Uh, basically, what happened was the son got very attached to the doll. So they called him Gene, not Robert. Um, mm. So Gene gave the doll his first name and would refer to the uh, doll see. as Robert. Okay. So he would take Robert to the dining room table and would feed him. He would take him to bed with him. He would sit up and, and read with him. Robert was, he would talk to him as if he was a real person. And the parents didn't think much of it until the kids started acting weirder and weirder and would almost become robotic. And Robert said this, Robert doesn't want to do that. And it freaked the hell out of the family. The family then, um, the, the Robert eventually grew up. He became a, a pretty famous artist, apparently, and he moved away. His father then passed away and he inherited the family home. Got back to the family home, found Robert in the basement, and him and his wife were kind of live their life and carry on. Robert picked up the same habits he did with the doll when he was a kid. He would carry Jeez. the doll around with him. He would go to the dining room table with him. He would talk to him as if he was a real person. And he almost reverted back to what he was as a kid. Almost sounds like the kid's a bit fucked up, to be honest. That's what I thought. So, a couple years pass and a new family moves into the house. And a young daughter of the, the family finds the doll in the basement. Picks the doll up. Starts acting exactly like Jean. Jeepers. Taking the doll around. Obviously, didn't call her Robert, but... I was going to say, if she, if she did, <laughs> that would be next yeah. level. No, I didn't call her Robert, uh, but she took the doll around. She acted as if it was a real person, and she she showed the exact same Is this signs. not just kind of what kids do, though? You could think that. The family, the, the new family that moved into the house, they called a priest in. Yeah. That priest then had a look at the doll, and he claimed that there was something up with it. He, he blessed it. Uh, the doll is actually sitting in um, a museum at the moment. Mm. It's called the Mystic Museum. And th- apparently everyone who goes there, like if they talk badly to the doll or whatever, bad things happen to them. Yeah. Uh, it, it's quite weird, actually. I, I mean, on, on the side of the case, there's uh, like notes and letters from people who are like uh, saying sorry to the doll or oh, wow. are like asking for the doll's forgiveness so there's, there's this really weird aura around yeah. Robert. Uh, but I think he's super freaky. He He's almost like a, a doll that has like a little sailor's outfit and he, mm. he's holding a little lion. But he's I, I think he's so creepy. So go on Instagram. Go check him out. Let me know what you think. Yeah. I'll, I'll put up the, the Annabelle differences as well. Mm. Yeah. Just so you can kind of compare. I'm sure uh, when I read the story a while ago, like probably years ago, um, that there's reports of, of people catching the door blinking. Okay. I didn't hear about that. There's some confusing my stories, but I think people said like it's or it slightly moves in its case every now and then. Um, Which is very possible. Uh, apparently, uh, a lot of people have... Actually, maybe, maybe that could be it. Because I did read that a lot of people who went to the museum uh, would kind of state things. But I don't know how much I believe of that side of it. As yeah. in... Oh, I saw him blink because you yeah, kind of want to see him yeah. blink. Yeah. But right, the notes right. on there kind of freaked me out a little bit. So yeah. that's Robert the doll. Go look into him. Um, he freaks me the hell out. Anyway, guys, that's going to do it for today's show. Thanks very much for joining us. We actually hit a pretty cool um, 
milestone. We are finally, well, I suppose you guys will hear from episode one, but we, as of a few days ago, got on Spotify yeah. and on Apple Music and a couple others. Actually, pretty much all of them. We just got uh, kind of the tick of approval from Google as well. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, so we're working hard behind the scenes here to get you guys all the juicy, delicious content you you. Yeah, and we're and doing this ahead it. of time, so we're always on schedule. So you'll yeah. never miss your weekly take yeah. of the Odd Topic Podcast. Yeah, so thanks very much for joining us. Subscribe to the Instagram at the Odd Topic Podcast. Yeah, and uh, tell your friends, man. Mm, spread the word. Let and if you know. have any questions, anything you want us to cover, um, anything you disagree on, do we miss any cool facts? Let us know. Give us a, a shout, preferably in the Instagram page. Drop us a DM on the Instagram. So what we're going to do is we'll try and... Because, uh, I mean, every topic we cover kind of has some cool p- pictures and things to follow it. So yeah. it, when every episode goes live, we'll put something up and you can kind of comment and let us know what you think and if you have any questions. Yeah. And some housekeeping plans for the, for the future. Uh, we are looking into starting a YouTube channel as well. So you can see our um, lovely faces. Our beautiful, gorgeous faces. Luke's lovely lock of hair. <laughs> Singular lock of hair. <laughs> well, I can only see one now because you got a hat on. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so that'll be cool. Get ready to, to subscribe to that when that happens. No no, no solid dates and stuff yet. There's a few things to figure out on our yeah. side. Um, but yeah, thanks for tuning in. Yeah, this was well, great. Catch you again next time. Cheers. Bye.